Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Wednesday, happy hump day, happy day after Tuesday. Uh, I got to say, I got mixed feelings today. I have very mixed feelings. I- I'm excited about today's show. Uh, we're going to have a long laundry list of fearless soldiers uh, come by and help me talk about uh, the movie Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the sequel to the original Black Panther. We're going to discuss that in detail. We'll do it with Lauren Chin. We'll do it with uh, Pastor Anthony Walker. Uh, We'll do it with Shamika Michelle, Delano Squires, and Virgil Walker. We're going to turn the Black Panther discussion. At some point, we'll pivot and make it a part of uh, Tennessee Harmony. It's going to be a, a fantastic show. Fearless at the movies. You know, we like to, I like to go to movies. I like to watch movies. I like to talk about movies on this show. And so we'll do it with the uh, Fearless Army. But I have to start today's show uh, talking about the events from last night. And it's why melancholy is not the right word, but I have mixed emotions today. I have mixed emotions based off the big announcement uh, last night from uh, President Trump. Uh, let's 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 I'm going to we're going to play a little clip of some highlights of what President Trump said. And then I'm going to give you where I'm at today. I still need more time to marinate on how I feel about this. But I do want to give you a take or my initial take uh, today. Let's play the clip or some highlights of President Trump from last night. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Our country is in a horrible state. We're in grave trouble. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. This is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. If you look at the numbers, if you look at what's happened with Hispanic, with African-American, with Asian, and just look at what's happening, this is a party that has become much bigger, much stronger, much more powerful, can do much more good for our country. This this will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign altogether. (laughs) 
Because the only force strong enough to defeat the massive corruption we are up against is you, the American people. When people say Republicans or Democrats or liberals or conservatives, I say we can all get together. And we were doing that. That was happening just prior because the success was greater than this country has ever had. We were leapfrogging China and leapfrogging everybody else, and everybody wanted a piece of it. But just as I promised in 2016, I am your voice. I am your voice. So that's Donald Trump last night uh, hitting, in my view, all the right notes. We are facing massive corruption in this country, uh, and one individual uh, is not going to fix what's going on, and it's going to take a movement to fix America. He's saying the right things. Is he saying them too late? Uh, will people accept and hear uh, what he has to say uh, when it's not so much about Donald Trump? Because I think that is what has turned some people off. A lot of people in the Make America Great Again movement have been turned off. They, they want to move on from Donald Trump and everything being about Donald Trump. And so last night he gives a speech that talks about a movement and how it can't be a politician, it can't be a single person. We all have to do this. And if you've followed me on this show and my whole narrative on politics and make America great and the whole deal is I've never really believed in politics as a solution. I've always believed there has to be a spiritual revival in order to fix America. And if you followed me, I, I've been saying ever since 2020, I've been saying like, hey, with Trump off stage, the left has to defend its positions. They can't just go Trump, 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 Trump. And if forced to defend their positions, they're going to look crazy. They're going to sound crazy. If they can't just say Trump to everything, people will see how fraudulent their positions are and how uh, negative and how um, hostile to a biblical worldview they are. You can't be the party of abortion and not have an understanding of life and, <clears throat> and say you're on the side of God. And so what I thought when I was making the argument, like with Trump offstage, you know, he's done his job. He's opened people's eyes to the corruption. And, and now that he's offstage, we're going to have to deal with the issues and people are going to have to defend their positions. And so what I thought and what I anticipated was that in the midterm elections, I was like everybody else. I expected to see a repudiation of the Democratic Party. Uh, Joe Biden and many of the things uh, that are going on in this country. I thought parents had been awakened to uh, the alphabet mafia and what its real agenda is. And so I anticipated a big mammoth repudiation of what the left was doing. 
it did not happen. There was no big mammoth rejection. There was no red wave. There weren't, according to the way the system is run, there wasn't some big red wave of people writing righteous indignation and morality uh, to, to rebuke the direction the left uh, is taking us. I think most people think the left won the midterm elections. And so part of my thinking has been flawed that Trump off stage, the left forced to defend his positions. I'm looking at someone like Bill Maher have to backpedal and have to call out the left. And I'm just thinking with all this momentum, there's going to be in 2022, there's going to be this big political shift, a reset of politics. And now we were actually going to have a chance with Trump out of the way to reinstall some morality, some biblical values to American culture. Didn't happen. And so now I'm watching people, uh, I feel like, that are demoralized and they're jumping off the Trump train. And I'm if what I thought was gonna happen in the midterms had happened, I'd be jumping off the Trump train. I would be looking at Ron DeSantis, and then I would be looking over at the Democratic Party and expecting them to adjust and expecting them to put forth a reasonable candidate who reflected my values. I expected that come 2024, we would have reasonable choices on both sides because of the overwhelming avalanche that I anticipated having last week in those midterm elections. I thought we'd have DeSantis, and I thought we'd have a reasonable Democrat person with some biblical values. But these midterms have made me say, we're not. We're going to get more of the same. Joe Biden or Gavin Newsom or someone worse is going to be represented on the left. And right now, <clears throat> I'm just sorry. I'm not there yet with Ron DeSantis because I just don't see enough blowback and pushback against him to make me think that he's not part of the establishment. We keep seeing the same thing happen over and over and over and over again. Occupy Wall Street was this big movement and we were going to stamp out Wall Street corruption. And the establishment ended up putting Occupy Wall Street down. And I wasn't on board. I was just watching Occupy Wall Street. Well, that's interesting. They're up against Wall Street. I didn't know what to think, because, again, at that time, I'm not following politics that close. When the Tea Party cooked up, I wasn't that passionate about it because, you know, again, I wasn't following politics that close. But the Tea Party rose up. The establishment, corporate media shot it down and made everybody think if you're involved with the Tea Party, you're a member of the KKK. Now here we come to make America great again, and I see it all over again. Everybody with MAGA, they're flaming racists. Uh, they, they tried to insurrect the country and overthrow the government without firing a shot. 
Ashley Babbitt threw her neck and body at the whole system in an attempt to uh, try to overthrow the government. She got shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer, and that was our insurrection. And anybody that was uh, there or involved in that is one of the worst people on the planet, and, and Donald Trump and the whole MAGA movement started. They tried to overthrow the country. It was the worst day in the history of America. It's worse than 9-11. It's worse than Pearl Harbor. And they've shot down the MAGA movement. That, that's the establishment. And when I say the establishment, I'm talking about what Royce White constantly talks about, the Uniparty. The left and the right working together to keep the status quo going. The elites keeping their knee on the neck of the non-elites. I'm not sure. It, it, Ron DeSantis looks good from afar. But I'm looking at Trump. They're trying to put this man in jail. Uh, they've done everything possible. The establishment on the right and the left have done everything they can to destroy this man. I'm not jumping ship. Not yet. I, got, I need some more evidence, some more proof. I need someone that's willing to take on the establishment, the right and the left establishment, because we got here to this point because of this, this is what the establishment wants. They're all getting rich with insider trading. I don't see many of them objecting to, in a real way to what's really going on. I, I wanna have a conversation with Josh Hawley uh, one of our senators from Missouri, he's from Kansas City, known him for a long time. I need someone to help me make sense of what we've just seen and what we've just witnessed before I jump ship on Donald Trump and the MAGA movement. Those are my early thoughts. They might change, they might adjust as I gather more information, but right now if I just went with gut feeling, Blood in, blood out. Trump in, Trump out. This is a gang. This is, and I hate to use that analogy, but I'm not coming up off of this. And, and I'll just, the last thing for me is when I heard the Mormon church, the, the Latter-day Saints of Jesus Christ, put out a statement yesterday that they're going to support this codifying of same-sex marriage. Job's not done. Everybody's bending to the establishment. Everybody's bending to the establishment. Everybody's compromising their values and principles, bending to the establishment. I'm not gonna do it. And right now, until someone else raises their hand and says, you know what, I'm willing to take on the establishment, I'm willing to risk jail, I'm willing to have the entire establishment counsel me, until someone else raises their hand and signs up for that job, I'm gonna be Team Trump. And I'm I'm more, today, as of this moment, I'm far more Team Trump than I have ever been at any time. I've never really been Team Trump. I've just been like, eh, you know, he's better than these alternatives and his the stuff the media hates about him doesn't really bother me i like his policies the man put three supreme court justices on the court 
that ended Roe v. Wade. Till someone else steps up and shows me they got those kind of balls, I'm Team Trump. That's all I want to say about that. We're going to talk about movies and uh, the Black Panther movie on today's show. Uh, it's going to be a fun show. I just wanted to start with that note. I wanted to enter that into the record, a reaction to what we saw last night from President Trump. Uh, but the rest of the show is going to be more fun and lighthearted, uh, although we will get serious because I don't like the Black Panther movie. Uh, you guys probably already know that, but we'll hear from other voices and other people. Uh, I also want to tell you guys about uh, my good friends at Good Ranchers. You know what would be a great gift this year to take away some of the inflation pain for some people? While you can't control their gas price or home prices, you can stop meat inflation for yourself and everyone you know. How? A subscription to Good Ranchers during their Black Friday special. Beef prices are expected to go up another 15% in 23, but Good Ranchers customers who use my code FEARLESS will experience a 0% inflation all year long. That's because every subscriber locks in their price for the life of their subscription. If that's not enough to get you to subscribe, you can also get their Black Friday offer right now. Two free 12 ounce Black Angus New York strip steaks and two free pasture-raised chicken breast with any order that uses my code FEARLESS. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com to find the perfect box for you in their curated selection of America's best meat and seafood. Give the gift of zero inflation and America's best meat to yourself or someone you love this holiday season. Good Ranchers award-winning service and quality are why they have over 7,000 five-star reviews. Remember to visit GoodRanchers.com and subscribe with my code FEARLESS at checkout to grab the Black Friday special, their best offer of the year, two free Black Angus steaks, two free pasture-raised chicken breasts, zero inflation, all with Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. All right, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. You can email me at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. Uh, when we come back, Lauren Chin, Pastor Anthony Walker in studio, Shamika Michelle via, via Skype. We're going to talk about Wakanda forever. It's my obligation to hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. One of my favorite uh, segments, elements uh, we do here on Fearless. Fearless at the Movies is returning today, uh, and we're going to talk about a very popular movie uh, right now, Black Panther 2, uh, Wakanda Forever. Uh, we had Lauren Chin, Pastor Anthony Walker, Shamika Michelle, Delano have all gone and saw the movie. I went uh, to go see it. It took me two bites of the apple to make it through the movie. I'm going to keep it real with you. The first out. I went the first time, made it an hour, and left, uh, and then came back the next day, the next morning actually, and finished the movie. Uh, actually watched it all from start to finish, made it through that time. Not a huge fan of, of the movie. I don't think any, if you heard the show yesterday, you, you probably already uh, sensed that. This, the rest of this show, there will be plenty of spoilers. I don't want to tell anybody to go away because I, I don't want you to go away. But if you don't want to hear movie spoilers, you probably should 
go away because uh, we're going to talk about this movie in detail. Starting out first with uh, Lauren Chen and Pastor Anthony Walker and Shamika Michelle is going to join us from uh, North Carolina. And so we'll just start with a very, very general question. And Shamika, I'll let you go first. Uh, was this an entertaining movie? Did you enjoy Wakanda Forever? Well, I fell asleep a little bit. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> it was really long, but so I did take a little nap. I didn't mean to, but I think that it has a lot of action, Jason. I think it started off with a lot of action. You know, I myself gasped in the beginning when they lifted up King T'Challa's um, coffin and it was first horizontal and then they took it vertical. I was thinking, oh my God, I hope they had him strapped down because if not, his head just hit the <laughs> lid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know. So, okay. don't dodge. Did you enjoy, I know you said you fell asleep, but overall, I mean, you made it through, you know what happened, entertaining movie or not? I think it's worth the see. I do think it's worth people going to see it um, if they're into that type of thing. I didn't like the first one, but if you like the first one, I think the second one is definitely worth seeing. Mm. All right, uh, Lauren, entertaining movie? I, I, it's all relative. I mean, entertaining compared to what? Uh, are you going to be watching The View as an alternative? If so, I would say this is better. But if you, unless you have maybe some sort of movie pass, I would say you could totally wait to see this on Disney+. Plus. I don't think this was worth going to see it in theaters. There are some movies where it's worth the experience. It's just, it's entertaining. You can make it a, an event, an entire activity. I don't think that about this movie, which is too bad. All right. So let me bear down a little bit on your taste, because part of the reason I didn't enjoy it is because I'm not into comic books. I'm not into these superhero action movies. The only ones I really like are Batman. I can't even say I've seen the others. I, I, you know, I did. I saw Wonder Woman. Was dating a woman. It took me to see Wonder Woman when I lived out in L.A. Didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't like movies that are so far removed from reality. And so what, you're t do you like the Marvel, DC type movies generally? So up until Avengers Endgame, I had seen every single movie that Marvel had put out, which I think we're talking about like 20 movies here. Since phase four has come in, uh, I've dropped off quite a lot. I have didn't see uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, nor do I want to. I've been missing a lot of the uh, Marvel series they've been putting on Disney+. Plus. So I, I would say I'm a superhero fan. I'm a Marvel fan. But lately, the quality has just been getting worse and worse. And I think that this movie absolutely is representative of that. I mean, it, it, if you compare it to some of Marvel's earlier films, we're talking about like Iron Man, the, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, there's no way this compares. Like, no way. And we're actually at a point, if you ask me, where DC films like Black Adam are now better <laughs> than something being put out by Marvel. And I never thought I would be saying that. Mm. I, I may need a little context in, in terms of DC is not as strong a brand as Marvel? No, 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 no. for the longest time, no, no. DC Films was like, okay, going in, we'll give it a try. Let's not hope for much. We're talking like, you know, the first Suicide Squad and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. They've had a rocky road trying to establish their cinematic universe. But now it's at a point where Marvel is just so bloated. It's uninspired. It's repetitive. 
that it doesn't have the magic that it used to. Anthony, entertaining movie? It was entertaining. I, I was a fan of the first one. Um, this one, I would not say is as good as the first one, but if you, like Shamika said, if you like the first one, you'll like this one. Um, I would echo what Lauren is saying, though, about uh, Marvel at this time, they're dropping off. Like the whole, this might be, in my opinion, the best in their phase four that they've put out. Like, What does phase was, four mean? They've had several phases of movies to come out recently around this universe that Marvel has put together. So after Avengers Endgame, like that was a 22, 23 movie buildup. They developed each character individually, including Black Panther. They developed it all along the same storyline and it culminates at Avengers Endgame. And then that was it. But then there were some teasers about the next step, what's gonna happen in the next phase. So this fourth phase has just kind of fizzled. They, they've gone to some of their stuff being on Disney Plus, like TV show format. And then they may take a character or two from the TV show and put it in the next phase four movie. And it, they're trying to link both things. And like she said, it's, it's getting, it's, it's too much. It's, it's bloated, I think was the term. Like it's just too much now. And then when you add in the multiverse, now you have all possibilities. Multiverse is basically saying that there are several different universes that mirror each other. So in this universe, Jason Whitlock is a culture critic. In the next universe, Jason Whitlock is a all-star NFL player. Like, same guy. So now when you add multiverse, it just gets convoluted. I'm not a fan of the multiverse. Yeah. They're going in hard on the multiverse. They had it in the Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. Yep. I just find it a bit much. That's yeah. never been my thing. All I the can see from your face. That you're yeah, let's see. And so, <laughs> and so, like, okay, I've heard of the Black Panther. I'm yeah. 55, and, you know... It seems like, even when I was a kid, there was a Black Panther. Yes. Namor, I, I, I'm like, who's Namor? And, and so, has he been around forever? Is that yes. something that just flew over my head? So you gotta think, these movies now are being adapted from the comic book series. Comic book was written, first Black Panther in the mid 60s, and, and up to now, and they've made changes to the storyline, throughout those years. So now the directors of these superhero movies are going back to, do we develop our own independent storyline or do we pick up characters from the comic book storyline and adapt that into? So Namor, not popular, but was a part of the storyline. So it is okay, let's pull a character here and integrate that, which may introduce something for the next phase that they may do. Like they're. They're thinking, that's why when Lauren said Marvel versus DC, Marvel tends to take this long projected look at their storylines, whereas DC may just, hey, let's do a Batman movie. And then four years later, somebody, another director says, oh, well, let's do another Batman movie. It's like, well, are they connected or are they in the same universe or how? So. That's why Namor is there. And Kevin Feige, Marvel actually has an entire person whose sole job it is yeah. to oversee the Marvel Cinematic Universe, making sure everything is interconnected, that there's a grand vision they're building toward. For the longest time, DC didn't have that, although I think they're now trying to pivot 
and try to em emulate something more like Marvel where everything fits together rather than just these one-offs because they see once you get an audience invested and they feel like they have to see. I only saw Captain Marvel because I thought I had to in order to see Endgame. Turns out she wasn't really that popular, but no. it's, it's a way to almost bait the audience. You, you hold them captive to see all the movies or else they won't understand the next one. And so did Namor work as a villain? And, and that was one of the, again, to me, movies need stakes, good guys and bad guys. And so when I go see a movie uh, that's a superhero movie, I'm expecting a clear-cut bad guy <laughs> and a clear-cut good guy. I'm expecting to see Bane versus Batman. Okay. Namor as a villain, just it just didn't work for me. It, it, he wasn't really a bad guy. So what you're saying is that the genocide against the surface world had some points. He had some merit. Let's hear him out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I, I just, I, the stakes between, and the fact that at the end, he and uh, Shuri, the new Black Panther, you know, joined forces. It's not surprising to me. Uh, and so I, I, I just thought, that just didn't work. And so, and again, but I, I'm coming into it, I don't have a lot of history with this style of movie. And so is that commonplace where the bad guy really isn't that villainous? Well, I mean, there are some people who might have said that Thanos had some, some points, uh, but I, I find that intriguing. I like when I can sympathize with the villain. Not that I excuse what he does, but I just think it's more compelling when you're like, oh, actually, there's some gray here. You know. He's trying to defend his city, which I understand, and through his origin stories, you get that he's perhaps rightly a little bit skeptical of someone trying to come after his resources. My issue with who played Namor was I did not buy the actor as uh, menacing, which is like, if I can see a, a character throw a helicopter out of the sky and I'm still like, I could probably take him, that to me is like maybe there was a casting <laughs> choice, right? Because, I mean, when I see a movie, I'm, I shouldn't be the one acting, right? You do the acting, I shouldn't have to pretend like I'm scared of you. You should actually just be scary as a villain. That's why I love Bane. Uh, Shamika Namor, what did you think of him, that role, that character? So I think they set him up to maybe become more villainous in the next Black Panther, maybe, because I think they just left it kind of open ended that eventually he may have to actually become a true enemy. If, you know, somebody comes after Wakanda, will they reach out to him for help? Will he actually be there or will he remember, you know, the fact that he had to bow to them and whoever the lady was didn't like the fact that he bowed to them. And so now maybe he'll change his mind. This is just all so much for me. I'm not a comic book person either. Like I like fantasy fiction movies, but I would rather just know what happened to E.T. after he got home. So like. <laughs> This is just a lot. Uh, uh, uh. It, it does seem like it requires some work, and that's kind of like something that I see in TV now with these serial dramas or whatever. If you don't read all the reviews, it's nearly impossible to follow television shows, and it's like, oh, I got to go read all these comic books just to enjoy this movie. Well, if you had watched, which the plan of Marvel was, we're thinking about this 20 years out. So if you had watched all the movies, you were ready for Black Panther. That's why Black Panther hit so hard. That's why Endgame hit so hard. I mean, $2 billion in the first part of the uh, movie, the $2 billion the next time. It's like 
we've been waiting to see all of this. So back to the enemy point of Neymar, I did not like the, the actor was not convincing. I agree. The only thing I would say to kind of support what Neymar was, the enemy of the hero is the one that causes the hero to be fearful. That's really at the root of it. So, you know, you know, as far as strength is concerned, uh, they may. But as long as the hero is a little concerned, that's the enemy. Right. That's what makes them. So that's what Namor did. He provided a little bit of fear to Shuri and to Wakanda enough so to where, OK, we have to respond. Not saying he was the best, but that's where he fits in that gray area. So. A lot of reviewers or people that follow this stuff are saying, hey, man, why not just replace uh, Chadwick Boseman? Why not come with a new Black Panther? Uh, And there's part of me that agrees with that. We I think didn't somebody that played Superman, they died and they just put it. Whoever the actor is, they just found a new one and. There's been like four people play Batman, right? Sure. I mean, so sure. why did did Ryan Coogler did they make a mistake not just coming up with a new uh, Black Panther? I think it would have been really hard to find someone who would be able to fill that role because Chadwick Boseman he only had his own Black Panther movie, just the one, but he had other appearances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. right? So the audiences had really, so many people were introduced to Black Panther specifically because of him. So I think part of it was probably, you know, there would have been fan backlash regardless of who they chose just because he's not gonna be Chadwick Boseman. And I think another part of it was maybe trying to handle that sensitively, considering that this is someone who passed away. So I I personally was all right with them just retiring the character uh, because we saw how upset people have been. For example, um, Henry Cavill has just been recast Liam Hensworth when it comes to The Witcher. People aren't happy about that. So I think what, by choosing to just have the character die in universe, you sidestep a lot of the potential controversy there. Ryan Coogler has to balance Chadwick Boseman's character like we we people who really appreciated the Black Panther we saw Chadwick Boseman not necessarily T'Challa and they merged so because he passes it's like okay we could keep Black Panther going but our image of Black Panther was Chadwick Boseman so he's got to balance that and I think he balanced it by using the comic book narrative I mean there is the narrative that Shuri comes next I think if Chadwick had lived, that probably would have been the third movie. Like we would have just introduced it here, but because he passed, we got to make a decision. And this was the. And I think they just honored him in this movie. And so, in the comic books, Shuri becomes the Black Panther. Yeah, or the next Black Panther. Yes. That's why I don't read comic books. Shamika, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think they should have replaced Chadwick Boseman? I actually like that they honor him in the the film. I don't know anything about the comic book, but I do think that he is what I thought Black Panther was. So I don't think I would have been open to a new Black Panther. I don't even like the fact that his sister comes next. Now hearing that it's actually in the comic book, I'm thinking now I got a problem with the writer of the comic book because I hate (laughs) that she's coming next. I didn't like that. Oh, you didn't you didn't buy a hundred and nineteen pound Black Panther? You you didn't no, buy that? I, I did. Yeah, I, did I. Hated that. 
<laughs> and it was just like I had a snap. But you know, I, if it's consistent with the comic books, uh, I but get. That's, but I feel like we should also be able to criticize the comic books because I've criticized things like just Captain Marvel as a character, and I've had some people say, "Oh, well, it's the comics." It's like, okay, it sucks there too. It sucks <laughs> here. It can suck both. It doesn't mean that it's uh, we can't touch it. And I think the especially how Shuri kind of came into Black Panther, it didn't feel earned at all. It's like, okay, let me uh, take this acid trip, and then five minutes later, I have super strength. There's no time for me to get used to my new powers. There's nothing mm -hmm. like that. It just, it, compared to what T'Challa went through, the buildup of him knowing he was going to be the Black Panther, the, that whole ritual of the heart-shaped herb, it just seemed like everything came so much easier to her. Same problem I had with House of Dragon, relating it to T. I don't care what the books said <laughs> about House of Dragon. Maybe it was a bad book, because it's certainly a bad TV show. <laughs> That's where I came down on. Final thing that I've been uh, reading is people are saying that uh, these Marvel fantasy movies never produce an Oscar caliber actor or performance. Uh, and people are saying Angela Bassett as Ramonda. Ramonda, yeah. Ramonda, the queen, uh, you know, her performance is worthy of Oscar consideration. Uh, do we buy that? Uh, Hold, before we hit, Lauren, you've got the expert, expert opinion. I'm gonna let us amateurs go first. Shamika, uh, did you see an Oscar winning performance there? No, I didn't. And actually, because I like Angela Bassett, I've seen so many of her movies. I would have thought that Tina, when she did Tina Turner, would have been Oscar worthy. You know, I thought that. I definitely don't think that this performance was any greater than her uh, getting beat up and having to pretend like she was still, you know, okay. So no, I don't think this was Oscar worthy for me. It was just a small part and she didn't really do much in it. Um, I, I, I don't think it was Oscar worthy. I do think that I would love to see Angela win an Oscar. I think she's um, maybe overdue for one, but I don't think that this was it. Anthony, don't think it was Oscar worthy. Uh, you you really have to transcend a superhero movie to even be considered for Oscar worthiness from a superhero movie. I think Heath Ledger uh, playing the Joker in The Dark Knight, that's Oscar worthy. Like we, but he transcended the movie in that sense. So this one, I don't think she really transcended the movie. She was all right, but not Oscar worthy. Our expert, please. Well, I think she she was very talented in this film. She she does amazing in her role, but I would agree that I don't think she was given the material or the opportunity to perform what we would imagine is an Oscar-worthy performance. But with that being said, I would love to see the Oscars once more honor regular movies because I feel like now the Oscars are in a competition with themselves to pick the most obscure, the most inaccessible movie that five people have seen uh, so they can show how much better they are than the average audience. It would be nice if once more, because it used to be like that, uh, blockbuster movies or movies that the entire world can enjoy are actually also being honored rather than just this niche for, for cinephiles of, uh, I guess, the most art house drama centric movies with, you know, how many gay trans actors now. But uh, no, I don't I don't think she reached Oscar performance. You know, she made me think of uh, Lauren made me think of a sports analogy that that you're saying the, like in sports, whoever the best player is on the best team 
is a leading candidate for MVP. Mm-hmm. And, and whether I like it or other people like Wakanda Forever, it's done well at the box office and some of these box office smash movies, maybe Tom Cruise and Maverick or whatever, another movie I wasn't that big of a fan of, maybe he deserves the Oscar. Uh, you know what, I, I do wanna ask one more question that's specific to, to Lauren and uh, Shamika, but probably Lauren most, because I'm not that familiar with these movies. Is, is there, generally speaking, in these action or superhero movies, is there a love element? Is there a love story that's tied into these at all? Because that's completely absent, other than the bald-headed lesbians seem to be in love with each other. <laughs> uh, but there is no, Shuri's not, there's no man chasing Shuri. I, you, you're the prince, you're the black How come M'Baku, or what, did I get that name right? How come he ain't chasing after her? I, 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 just, I just don't get... But maybe it's, I don't follow these movies and maybe love's not a part of it. That's a good point. They, there used to be, depending on which franchise we're talking about, like Iron Man and Pepper Potts, there was a little bit of it. Uh, in Spider-Man right now, him and MJ, there's a little bit of it. But overall, especially like lately, there's not much romance. And if there is some sort of romantic interest, it's definitely just a backseat to action or whatever uh, plot they're trying to get out of the way so they can have it tie into the next movie. It, it, am I not right? Didn't Clark Kent and Lois Lane, weren't they mm-hmm. romantically? Or th- there certainly was something there. Mm-hmm. So again, that's when I think of superhero movies, it's like Clark Kent Superman's doing all this because he loves Lois Lane or that's part of his motivation. Again, I right. go back to Top Gun success, uh, Tom Cruise's character, both in both movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no love other than, you know, unless you'd like to see I'll leave it alone before I... <laughs> Let me... Uh, thank you, Shamika. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, Anthony's going to stick around with us. Can oh, I go ahead. Yeah, and Anthony, um, the domination of the women, is this also in the comic book? Because that's one of the things that I hated <laughs> as well. And I'm seeing all of these men run around like Wakanda forever. And I'm thinking, well, in Wakanda, you're a bitch. What are you celebrating? (laughs) Is this like what the comic book actually teaches too, that the women dominate and the men are just uh, like idiots or, you know, submissive? No. Okay. That's not consistent with the comic books? Not not to the degree that they put, that was one of my disappointments in this movie. They pushed it so far. There was a lady uh, that as soon as the movie was over, she says, where were all the men? Mm-hmm. Like, they were absent in this movie. They, there was more of a manly presence in the first Black Panther and in uh, Endgame, if you count that. Or, but, but this was like, men are absent. Uh, yeah. And you haven't read, uh, you don't know the comic, I guess, lore behind this, but I feel like if you did, it would really frustrate you. Riri Williams Okay, the uh, MIT student who's in this, they don't give her the name in this movie, but she actually plays a character called Ironheart, who in a lot of ways is the successor slash replacement to Tony Stark's Iron Man. So even her presence here, it's kind of, I guess, undermining the idea that we have all these male superheroes because now Black Panther is a woman. And in a lot of ways, you might say that Iron Man is a woman because she's his replacement kind of with you kind of saw it with the suit and her being tech but they didn't introduce her as Ironheart. 
Mm. Iron Man is a woman. Successor. Successor, yeah. yeah. Is Riri Williams. And Riri Williams is who played MC Lightweight on this one. <laughs> that, that, that's a reference you may not I get. There was a rapper that called MC Light. Yep. This was MC Lightweight. That, yeah. mm -hmm. they, they come over to America. This is, and I'm, I'm foreshadowing where I'm going in these future conversations about, but they come to America to find this teenage scientist mm -hmm. who's profane, comes off as ignorant, hip hop. What, oh, really? MC Light, the, the rapper, is the, the black scientist in America? Where? Where in America is that the case? Again, I know some really smart young people, kids, what, they're nerds and bookworms like everybody else. They're not profane. I walked out of the movie the first hour just because the, the female thing was over the top, and then when they come over to America, and it's like, oh yeah, we're looking for this uh, hero. Uh, that's made this machine. And I was like, oh, it's a black kid. Oh, it's a woman. <laughs> and, and she's profane, probably smokes weed. Uh, she's, you know, selling homework to everybody. And it, it's like, uh, they just, it, I didn't like the movie. Uh, but we'll get further into that here in a second. Uh, I want to tell you guys about Instaflex. If you're like me, you've dealt with soreness in your joints. So you know what it's like to walk around with sore knees or elbows, just wishing the pain would go away. Well, maybe you don't have to wish anymore. Instaflex Advanced targets the root cause of joint discomfort with just one little pill per day. It contains a unique combination of five key ingredients that are found in no other product in the world. It restores flexibility and mobility to your knees and other painful joints. And did I mention that you only have to take one tiny pill a day? You could have a better knees in just a week. Now get a complimentary two-week sample of Instaflex Advance when you text FEARLESS to 42424. Plus, get a free gift of Instaflex Advance pain cream with its exclusive oxygenated oil for a fast-acting relief from the pain of arthritis, backaches, and sore muscles. Absolutely free. Text now and receive a complimentary two-week supply of Instaflex Advance Joint uh, support for men and women with five key ingredients to help you turn back the clock. Text FEARLESS to 424-424. That's FEARLESS to 424-24. Took some today. I was on my uh, Stairmaster uh, once again this morning, and I feel fine. Hook yourself up. All right, get your FEARLESS Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash FEARLESS. Uh, we'll get Delano's take on the Black Panther. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's get a little smarter and deeper on our uh, Fearless at the Movies. Uh, we all went to go see uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Delano Squires has written a column about his thoughts, but Delano, before we get to your column, I wanna start by playing a couple of videos uh, <laughs> of just how important 
this movie seems to be to us. Uh, Lauren has left uh, the studio, and so conversation is going to get a little blacker, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better description. But All right. this movie franchise seems to be very important to us. Uh, I think here's a video of people, I think, dancing outside the theater. <laughs> I just, I've seen, when I, I went to go see the first one, I was living out in LA then, and people all came dressed up in dashikis and everything, and <laughs> uh, we, we have, this movie is perhaps uh, the most important movie franchise in the history of whatever uh, we're calling black culture right now, the, the way we're acting, I'm just, Delano, I'll start with you, and then we'll bring Pastor Anthony. Do you have a problem with the importance of the Black Panther, uh, its cultural importance? Um, do I have a problem with it? Only to the extent that um, putting so much weight into uh, media and art in this way leaves us extremely susceptible to certain types of messages. I'll say this, Jason, I would much rather see folks adorned in their dashikis and their kenti cloth, dancing at the movies, having fun, having a good time, than see videos of guys handling guns, pointing them at the camera, and then going out and having their lives imitate their art. So it's, it's this is the Tyler Perry conundrum, right? It's like, do I, is he ever gonna win an Oscar? No, um, uh, is, is, is his, artwork something that I'm going to spend time watching no but uh, is Medea a bigger threat in terms of the black public image and in terms of again life imitating art than you know your top 15 gangster rappers absolutely not I'll, I'll I'd much rather deal with the issues that Medea may cause in the culture than the ones that these other people may cause so I mean, I was wondering where that first video was from, because it honestly looked like the Magic Johnson Theater in my neighborhood. But I'm not sure if you know that. But I mean, that's that's some of what I saw when I went to see it on Saturday night. And again, there there are worse things that we could be doing. But th this is this is the caveat. Um, I, I 100 percent agree with the assessment. And I put this in my column that these movies are more than just movies. Um, you know, films like Love and Basketball, like The Best Man, obviously, you know, carry some significance and, and uh, the, the theater's packed out when those premiere. But Wakanda is taking on sort of, is, is seen as like a, a, a black utopia, technologically advanced, resource rich, sort of free from, you know, anti-black racism. So to the extent that we allowed these, this particular franchise to tell us a story, I think we have to be extremely sensitive to what it is that they're pumping out to, to the audience. Anthony, uh, should this movie be this important? Should it have us dancing in the streets? It was <laughs> a movie that was directed by a black director, the original and this one. 
uh, a black director that was given carte blanche to do a superhero movie about a black superhero. So black, 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 black. Black people are going to be excited about that. That's what they are. I would agree with Delano that now where media is and where culture is, there's a lot more intention on the messaging. But this is not I, I don't see this movie or these last two movies as much of a cultural phenomenon for black people as coming to America as, you know, those kind of movies. like that was literally everybody. These people that are going to see it, most of them don't know the comic book story. Most of them don't know the full message of it. Most of them are not trying to emulate what's coming out of the movie. Coming to America's classic, man. Like that that really hit culture. This right here is going to be for those who like the Black Panther. Mm, that's a strong mm. statement, Anthony, because mm. uh, di- I think the first Black Panther generated $680 million. Again, black people wanting to go see a movie that's directed by a black guy that has the opportunity. He was given $200 million to make a superhero movie. Like, we're having to take $20 million and make a $300 million movie out of it. He was given the kind of money that they give these major directors, and he did a good job at it. I'm just saying cultural effect. You're looking at dollars, but cultural effect. Well, I, I hear you, but that leads right into my next thing, because I do think in terms of cultural effect, and, and these are just what the videos are just symptoms of it, but he was given $200 million, in my view, to get a message out. Mm-hmm. And a message about the matriarchy. And mm-hmm. that's where, again, I want to go b- yeah. b- before we wh- I, I don't want to give anybody else my interpretation of what the message was. But I, I, I want to ask you all start with you, Anthony. What do you think the theme? What was the message of Wakanda forever? All right. So when I watch this Wakanda forever superhero movie, I look at it like I look at every other superhero movie. I can't dig too deeply into historical accuracy, they're often set in fantasy worlds, so a lot of that stuff is layers. All superhero movies, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, et cetera, with these major heroes, they struggle with grief. Superman, someone killed my parents. Batman, someone killed my parents. Spider-Man, someone killed my uncle. They go through their anger dealing with that, and they respond to crime through their anger. So the message that I saw that that was really the core of the message. Yes, there are layers, but the core theme of the movie was vengeance cannot heal the pain of grief. This is a family who, you know, T'Challa's dad. That's the only reason why Wakanda was involved in any of it in the first movie. T'Challa's dad, T'Chaka, was accidentally killed because of a terrorist attack. T'Challa, anger, grief, comes to avenge his dad. Now here's Shuri. Her dad has been killed. Her brother has been killed. I'm mad at the world. Namor is pulling on that string, but it's mom and it's Mbaku. It is maturity that sets in that vengeance won't make it better. It won't make that grief better. So vengeance doesn't heal the pain of grief is the major theme of the movie. Obviously, there's some of that. Uh, matriarchal stuff in it, but that wasn't the major, it's a superhero movie. If you're watching, if you're watching Wakanda forever for historical accuracy and life lessons and deep cultural messaging, you might need to read a book. 
Delano, what do you think the message was? Well, first, let me say, I, I thought that was a very incisive and pastoral, and I, and I mean that in all serious. I'm not even trying to be funny. That was a very pastoral response from Pastor Anthony because, and, and I said this in my column, movies often have these universal themes around love and suffering and forgiveness and grief, and, and I agree with him in terms of um, his his analysis, but but you know there's a subtext, and and then there's also to your point, Jason, there's a message that that people want to push, and and the the top line message that I got from this film, and certainly more this time around than the last one, is that black women lead, and black men follow, black women dominate, and black men and men in general submit. Um, that that was really the crux of it for me. Um, the other thing in terms of the franchise itself, one of the messages that that is not being pushed through the movies, but that one of my takeaways is that when you are a, any group that sees representation in and of itself as life's highest virtue is extremely susceptible to all different types of programming. Um, you know, if because the people who do culture, who do art, who do movies, who do media, understand, all right, if we package this message within the right messenger and they have and they check the right boxes, then we can push whatever we want and we can move people and we can pull certain strings and they'll just accept it. Uh, and, and, I, and I said this yesterday and I said this in my column. Both of these movies um sort of speak to the, uh, the 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 revolutionary spirit i mean the guy's name the character's name the black panther right so there's some double entendre going on there <laughs> but in the first one killmonger could not get a single spear out of wakanda so they'll, they'll, they'll play up oh we got to fight the oppressors but they'll let you think that that's going to happen but it's not happening and in this one when Queen Ramonda goes and she she dresses down the UN and all these European countries and Namor and 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 Shuri plan and attack and to to really bring down the colonial forces, the only people who end up fighting and dying was the people from the two kingdoms of color. So again, black women lead, black men follow, and then also chaos and we can Go ahead. We, we can <laughs> we we can give you any message we want. As long as we wrap it uh, in 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 the right framing and, and in the right color wrapper, I'll say it that way. Well, and you you, I, I respectfully disagree with with Anthony, and and this is why <laughs> I would say that is when when I talk about a message theme of a movie, I think about the audience, uh, and most of the audience aren't pastors, and the people we saw dancing and. Uh, we're buying all the stuff and putting on the costumes. If we went to a barber shop or a beauty shop and people are talking about the Black Panther, they're not talking about vengeance and what really heals vengeance. When they go see that movie, what they're talking about is race and mm -hmm. what, the, what the racial messaging was and Wakanda and now we got the Mexicans involved, and they got a little perfect universe themselves underwater. And, and boy, if, if, if we could just all get away from the man, we would be living in utopia. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and so again, the movie is based off of, and Anthony, I think, pointed this out, it's based off racial idolatry. Okay. It, you have to sit there and go, oh man, they gave this black man all this money to make the movie. Oh, and this is mostly a black cast. And oh, this is about this black paradigm. Everything's race, 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 race. And so I think racial idolatry, and not, not that Anthony doesn't, <laughs> so let me just be no, clear. I got you. Racial idolatry is blinding us to reality. Okay. And so the reality is that this movie does put on a little veneer of, hey, there's an overall message about vengeance. Mm-hmm. But what we really want you to take away from this is that, man, if these black women could just be put in charge and mm-hmm. black men fall in line, oh, we would have Wakanda. Look at the, and then if we just put this little 120 pound, if she could be the Black Panther, see how much more moral she is than Killmonger? She, go, she sees Killmonger in a dream and he's telling her, go for, vi-. he's in, in, I guess, their version of heaven. And he's telling her, go be about that life. Go out there and, you know, get they your revenge. Yeah. And, and so, and then, but they show her as more moral. And, and then the final kick in the groins for me was mm-hmm. after the movie's over, they then go dirty up to Chala and say, you know what? He got a baby mama that's living over in Haiti. He was embarrassed, wouldn't even take care of her, sent her off somewhere else to raise the baby, blah, blah, blah. And they done turn to Chala, the prince, the, 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 the king, the, 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 the icon that they're allegedly honoring they done turned him into a baby daddy in his grave. No, 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 no. Did, did the woman not say? <laughs> Is that? He was in love with her in the first movie and before he died. We don't did know what. Did they get married? We don't know what did takes place. Did they get married? We don't know. We don't know. We no. don't know what takes place with his health in the movie. But even if he doesn't get married, I, I'm saying the love story was there. He dies, and she says, I, I left. I couldn't deal with it. It wasn't that he sends her to hush off. Their love was public in the first movie. The, what, it was, it was public. They loved did, each other. Did I mishear something from her at the, at the end of the movie? He, he, he did not hide her away. She left. I thought she t- explained to Shuri, like, I left. I couldn't come to the funeral. I couldn't deal with it. Did I miss yeah, something, I, Delano? I, I um... If, if, if I understand, if I understand correctly, you know, the, the, the movie opens with with his funeral procession. And I want to say they said yeah. one year later, if that's if that's correct. Yes. Now, if that's the correct. The, the boy had to be at least five years old. And clearly he, he couldn't have been old. living. OK. OK. He couldn't have been living in Wakanda with his mother, who was T'Challa's, let's assume, girlfriend. And nobody know about sure. him. So, so again, sure, from sure. that, I would deduce. Let me add one more thing, Delano. Uh-huh. Angela uh-huh. Bassett, Ramonda kept saying, hey, there's something I need to tell you about T'Challa. And she never got to tell it to her. That's what you, That's okay. She okay. was, uh, there was some, he got this baby over in Haiti. He knocked up old girl and she let, I meant to tell you this baby girl, but we're going to save it till after the credits when we dirty <laughs> up and kick this and give this one more black man, a kick in the groin. The only black man they love is a dead one. Dead one. And so That's all true. this, oh, we Ooh. honoring 
T'Challa. Now you're celebrating another dead black man, and now women are in charge, and the bald-headed lesbians are the strongest, <laughs> fiercest uh, women on the planet, and they running yeah. around kicking everybody's butt, and, and then we go go get MC Lightweight from uh, <laughs> over in L.A. somewhere, and we're going to snatch her up, and she's going to come over here and kick butt in Wakanda. It, it was... I mean, I, I just don't think anybody at the beauty shop or barbershop is talking about the vengeance thing. They're talking about race. Jason, you go back to the first movie. As I said, Wakanda got involved in any of this trouble. They were a nation that nobody knew about. It was a rumored nation. The only reason they get involved is because T'Chaka is accidentally killed. They have a culture. Oh, another in dead black man. Accidentally they, killed by a terrorist attack. He wasn't shooting gangbangers. They love dead black men. I'm just, <laughs> so, so then, but the nation itself. I'm going to be has, celebrated in death. They All have the people a, that they, hate me are going to love me when I die. <laughs> I cannot wait. They no, have I'm a, sorry. No, no, you good. They have a culture <laughs> of let's stay to ourselves, let's take care of us. That was their culture. They only got involved in this other stuff because of that. So that's how they got involved. In this particular movie, it's a similar notion. I, I'm not, I, I concede the points. There was a lot of what Delano says, uh, women leadership, like I told you that I heard the woman say after the movie, you know, where were all the men? I, I felt that vibe. But in terms of the storyline, yes, it plays on race. I can't, I, I concede that. But if we apply the lesson, take care of your own, let's take care of us, our situations, before we get involved in this world stuff, uh, mm. we have we have resources here, untapped resources here that we need to be taken care of. That's a part of the message. And even if it is, we hate the world because of X, Y, Z. Vengeance does not heal the pain of grief. So you go into world war on the world, which is what Namor wanted is not going to solve it. Shuri is not wanting to go, and Wakanda is not wanting to go to war with the world. There is a history, but they don't want to. They don't want to go kill up all the white folk to make them. She's no, 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 no. We're good. We're good because go women are the greatest oh, thing yeah, in the yeah, history yeah. of the world. I got you. And of course, Namor is an <laughs> evil man that wanted to do. This. He's just like Killmonger. Okay. And he's just like that irresponsible T'Challa that knocked up a woman in Senator Haiti. The, it's it's the black woman. She's the perfect human being. She's the yeah. perfect representation of God. If Anthony, her name, the, they done. It, eventually, we're gonna have uh, female Hebrew Israelites that will be mm. arguing that Jesus was a woman. <laughs> That's where. That, and this movie's yeah. the setup to that. I'm so, I, go ahead, I, Delano. I think. Um, yeah, there, there was a lot of estrogen pumping through the movie. I mean, <laughs> I, I might have, I, I, I could have sworn I heard one of the guys complaining that his his, uh, his his boobs were sore when he got up because it was <laughs> it was it was a lot of that. And honestly, and this, I, I was joking when I said that just now, but honestly, and and this I'm not lying when I say this. The first thing I googled when the movie was completely done, when the credits finished, the last scene, I googled. Ryan Coogler personal pronouns because this particular movie is what I would expect from a guy who's completely brought, bought into uh, feminist thought, black feminist thought, and sort of the, 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 the alphabet pride, LGBT uh, sexual and gender politics. Because again, 
the only expression of eros, of romantic love, was between two women. I, and I, you were saying this in a previous segment, Jason. I, I don't know. It could very well be that Wakandan men are, are sterile and asexual. And, and all the people who you see are immortal and they were born in the 1800s because I, don't, I didn't see, other than making jerk chicken and, and tending to the boats and making leather shoes, I don't know what these guys did, right? And going back to the first film, when you had a relationship between the general and one of T'Challa's right-hand men, how, what was the order there? Eventually, she made him get on his knees and submit to her. And and it's and it's not just it's not just Black Panther and it's not just Wakanda Forever and and I, I will disagree slightly with Pastor Anthony. This movie carries a much bigger cultural significance than Coming to America. Hmm. Um, Coming to America is a movie everybody loved, particularly people over forty. But and yes, there's some people who who would dress up as Jaffe Jofer for Christmas and so on and so forth. But when you have airports saying we're offering free flights to Wakanda and everybody's dressed up and everybody's doing the arms crossed Wakanda forever and pastors, I'm using heavy air quotes, are, are doing a series on on uh, the Black Panther and, and, and black nationalist economics. There's something there because we see ourselves there. It's a call back to our ancestral lineage. We love the vibrance, we love the colors, we love the pageantry. Some of us love the ancestor worship. So, so all of those things open us up to the messaging. And the messaging in this movie is the same that has been being pushed for the last, the first Black Panther. Again, black women protecting black men. I know it's part of the comic book. And again, I have no problem criticizing Stan Lee or whoever made it back in the 60s. Um, Woman King the Harriet movie, where they invented a black man who was a slave catcher. Even coming to America too, right? Where it, it's the, 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 the daughter, Eddie Murphy's daughter, is rising up, coming to power to rule over Zamunda. And the son that he, that he didn't know he had, that dude has been in RuPaul's drag race. I looked it up, right? So, the, 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 the sexual identity politics, the feminist politics that run through Hollywood are crystal clear. You, they, they're not even trying to hide their hand. You couldn't pay them enough money to have uh, a strong black male lead and his wife and their children. They do not want that. And that's why I said this movie was straight out of the fantasy of Alicia Garza and Patrice Cullors. It was single black women who come to power on the, on the basis of a death of a black man, raising their children together in some type of commune, right? Where they exchange love with one another and, and black men are sort of to the side as a, a support mechanism whenever whenever they're needed. And, and that to me is the problem that I have with the film. I would just love to see any movie at this point <laughs> that shows man, woman, love, uh, and, and I'll throw in my little racial idolatry, between black people. I'd just love to mm -hmm. see it because mm -hmm. they, they, I've said it over and over and over and over again that when they make movies about white people, and, and this isn't me playing the race car, but, but th this is just me keeping it real. Again, they, they want to tell, oh, a boat sank in the 1920s, 30s, whenever the Titanic sunk. Oh, we're going to tell that story through 
love. And, and the world, for me, operates on love, or it should, a, fu a properly functioning world, mm -hmm. and, and a, a message of love. And I get the vengeance thing and all that other stuff, but, but when I look at the success of Top Gun, it's a love story mm -hmm. at, at, at its foundation to some degree. He's, this is all superhero movies, though. And again, just like I said yeah. earlier, Superman and Lois Lane. It's not strongly, right. if you're any, any superhero movie in the last 20 years, they don't play up That's the love problem. story. That's my problem. Yeah, it, it may, and it may be, that may be the case. But I'm saying, if I was to look, and I think most people, if they're going to look for a love story, they're not going to go see a super, they're okay. not going to see Iron Man But couldn't you give me story. seven minutes? I mean, just, or five I, minutes, I, three minutes. I'm on that side. I want to see. I'm with you. I'm just saying I know the culture now. And I know if I want to see a love story, I'm going to have to see a love story. I'm not going to go see Iron mm. Man to see a love. It, it, they won't okay. do it. Black Panther, I, Shuri, is that close to power? I, I, they could have. They could Mbaku have. Mbaku should have been trying to get next to her, <laughs> period, in the story. Yeah. Or one yeah, of them. I, I mean. Uh, but again, well, they, they're not even... Lupita, uh, I, did I get her name right? Lupita. Uh, Lupita. You know, she looked real good in that movie. I'm sorry for uh, saying that, but I'm single, I can say. She looked real good. Yeah. Somebody should have been trying to get at her. Uh, well, you know, sure. Maybe, you know. <laughs> maybe one of the locals will, but I, I, again, I'll, I'll disagree with Pastor Anthony there. Because I, Iron Man had his wife, right, when he died in Endgame. Um, even going over to Batman, he, from the um, from particularly the more, most recent series, I don't count the, the Ben Affleck and the other guy. I'm talking about the Christian Christian Bale, and uh, mm -hmm. directed by Chris Nolan. Yeah, um, he had he had series. Rachel, who was his friend, who he had, he loved, who ended up wanting to be with Two Face, and and then he ended up with with Catwoman. So he ended his story after saving Gotham, right from Bane. Who you actually got to see what revolution looked like, not the fake stuff that they give black folk. He he saved uh, <laughs> Gotham, and then he went and and lived his life with with Catwoman. But so it's, it's one of these things where, you know, you you see th these movies often do sort of turn on these themes. Um, Jason, you mentioned Top Gun, uh, Maverick. I watched it on a, on a recent flight. I think on my way to Dallas uh, last week. And, and it, it hit me. It was it was love. It was family. It was the importance of a father. It was grief. And I mean, I was I was I was I was trying to hold it back because I, I didn't want the people to thought to think that I work for ESPN sitting up there weeping on the plane. That was a real good movie, wasn't it, Delano? <laughs> it was. But but and I, I'll give you another one. Right. I watched No Time to Die with James Bond. And this is a guy who went from being a serial womanizer to, at, by the end of the time that movie ended, spoiler alert, he chose death in order to protect his child and her mother. And, and that, that's what I would like to see, particularly movies that are targeted to the black community. Men. To kids. To, to kids. These right. movies, these Marvel movies, they're targeted at kids. And they're sitting right. there telling kids, uh, find you a black woman savior and don't remotely think about a family or anything, or unless it's one of these alternative families, don't even right. think about it. I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I, I was just even sitting here thinking about, like, just where the culture's gone. I, I think about the movie Roots, which 
is the only thing I think that rivals and su supersedes the Black Panther in cultural impact, directed mm. to black people. The whole world took it in, but, but it was certainly, you know, black people remember Roots. I own it. I tend to watch it every other year or whatever. And I'm just thinking, Kunta Kinte and his, had a love affair and, and love of his country, but also love of his roots, but also fell in love. I don't even know why I can't think of his, his wife's name, uh, but it was the only thing that, you know, changed him in any kind of way is his love of Kizzy's mother, and I don't know why I can't think of her name. But it's just like love is no part of the equation for yeah. us as black people in Hollywood. And it, it just, it baffles me, it drives me crazy. Uh, and so, but, uh, but Jason, D, it's not I'm gonna let you go. Oh, okay. go ahead, I'll give you final thoughts. No, go ahead, I, I was go just ahead. Gonna say, I was just gonna say, I, I think what we're seeing in real time is, is the metamorphosis of how the culture defines love, right? Again, B BLM's utopia is a bunch of women together in a, in a commune. So the women love each other, not always romantic. A lot of it is friendship and, you know, sort of the Oprah Gale variety, whatever. And, and, and the children that they raise together. And, and, and I think that, that is what we're seeing more and more um, from, the, from the culture, in the music, in the movies. And, and what I'm saying is, I, I just wanna see a, a black man who's willing to, to sacrifice something for his family, to stand up for them, to protect them. Even we saw this in Till. This was one of the major themes in Till. Right. It took me right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like we it, it's, it's hard to find that anywhere in the culture. A man who says I'm standing for my family, I'm going to protect them. And if it costs me my life, so be it. I'm not moving off the battlefield. But what it is, is we um, a bunch of women who say we want the power. We we want to protect. But really what it is, we want to rule. And, and, and that is the difference between matriarchy and patriarchy. Patriarchy understands that with the responsibility and the power and the authority come a certain set of obligations that you have to protect the people who, who, who you rule. Matriarchy says we want the, the power and the authority, but we don't want to have to protect them. And that's why with matriarchy, you get abortion. And at least to, to Black Pan Wakanda Forever's credit, she didn't abort the baby. That's the only thing that was missing from this in terms of the leftist playbook. But with matriarchy, you get abortion. In patriarchy, particularly when you're talking about a, an African kingdom, you, can, you can't sell that because the last thing a king wants to do is kill one of his heirs because that's how he lives on. And, and, and that is, those two things should show you the difference in those two systems of thought. And as I, as I said this before, if a household has one income and a man is earning it, it's typically a husband providing for his wife and, and their children. If a household has one income and a woman is earning it, it's typically a single mom and her kids. Because no woman, despite what Wakanda Forever would tell you, is raised to think that it's her job to provide for and protect a grown man and their kids. And, and this is that second message is the one that we ingest on a daily basis. And that's why I get why the women love this movie. But when I saw guys that I that I some I know personally, some I know online, some Christian men, man, this is the greatest thing. This movie is amazing. And I said, these guys have no idea they, they're holding their own gelding shears and they do not know it. So I, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Uh, Thank we got us move on and uh, bring Virgil in. We're going to go at this conversation 
a little bit differently in, in Tennessee Harmony. I want to talk about Sister Lucia and the, the miracle of Fatima. It's a Catholic uh, thing, but someone emailed me or, yes, or called me yesterday uh, about the column I wrote, put some thoughts in my head that I want to uh, get Anthony's take on, get Virgil's take on. Uh, Tennessee Harmony with Virgil Walker. Next. Welcome back. Time for a little Tennessee Harmony, uh, Fearless at the Movies style. Though so we're going to continue our conversation uh, about the Black Panther with a little offshoot topic. Uh, before we get into this conversation, Virgil Walker is going to join us, but also I'm going to have Pastor Anthony Walker uh, bless our conversation. Father God, we are thankful for this day and all of your many blessings. Uh, Father, we are thankful for this platform and those who are listening. Father, we pray. Uh, that as we share, as we communicate, that we are championing the will of God for mankind, for families, and for this world. We're thankful for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, Virgil, I, I want to bring you into the conversation first before I unpack our topic for today. And I want to bring you into the con I know you haven't seen Wakanda Forever yet. Uh, but I, I, we were having a discussion uh, throughout with Delano for the past 30 minutes uh, about the lack of a natural family in the movie Wakanda Forever. And, and they portrayed this utopian black society and somehow Ryan Coogler uh, somehow forget, well, you know, I better put a little touch of mom and dad in here uh, somebody needed to be married and in love, but I, I just, I, I see it as commonplace in popular culture and particularly media directed at us. Uh, the natural family just is out of style for us, according to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's not surprising, Jason. It's the, the, the family uh, has actually been under attack from, from the very beginning, right? Uh, I was called Pastor Anthony earlier, we had a conversation uh, about what we're seeing in, in culture. And it really just plays out and off of uh, what took place uh, in Genesis 3. In fact, as I, I listened to you guys talk about uh, Wakanda Forever, the conversation that, that you, you previously had, and everything that you talk about uh, simply reminds me of the narrative that we see uh, in Genesis 3, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is where we see the fall of mankind taking place. That fall takes place uh, because the woman listens to the serpent. Uh, when you think about created order, how God created everything, it began with, with God, uh, who's sovereign over all, and then man, right, who, who's, who's the father of all, right? Out of man comes woman. Uh, and, and so you have God, man, woman, and then you have all of created order. You have what, what we know is they've been given dominion over all the things that they see. What happens when the serpent shows up on the scene? He inverts created order. He, 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 it's, it's now the created order, the serpent, who now instructs the woman, who then tells the man what to do while they all usurp the authority of God. And so what, what you're seeing play out, biblically speaking, from the beginning in, in creation, you're seeing play out on, on the, uh, uh, in Hollywood. 
Uh, There's plenty of examples, biblically speaking, that you can point to to see that narrative play itself out. But theologically, scripturally, biblically, nothing nothing that you guys are discussing is, is, is new. It's actually all of what we've known Scripture has said about the, the human condition and about mankind. Mm-hmm. So this will lead into a segue of what I want to talk to you guys about. I wanted your insight. Uh, a friend reached out to me, read my column and, and said, hey, this reminds me of something St. Lucia said, uh, uh, a prominent member of the Catholic faith, I think born in the early 1900s. Uh, and, and St. Lucia said, said, had a famous quote, the final battle between the Lord and the kingdom of Satan will be about marriage and the family. Do not be afraid because anyone who works for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be fought and opposed in every way because this is the decisive issue. However, Our Lady has already crushed his head. And so this was fascinating to me. Someone sent it to me and so I was like, well, who? I'm not Catholic, Who's Saint, who, who is Sister Lucia? And then I, I go read up about the miracle at Fatima. This happened allegedly according to reports, I believe in 1917, October 13th, 1917 in Portugal, 70,000 people. There's these three young girls uh, that keep saying they're visited by the Virgin Mary, uh, who I believe Catholics call Fatima. And, and they keep saying on the 13th of each month, they're visited by the Virgin Mary. And on October 13th of 1917, 70,000 people flood this area in Portugal to see this miracle that's been promised. And they call it the miracle of the sun. Some people call it the miracle of Fatima. Uh, and there's a lot of witnesses. There were newspaper accounts written at that time that some really magical, fascinating things went on. The sun danced and there were these lights and blah. And so it became a part of Catholic lore, belief that this miracle happened. And that's how St. Lucia uh, became this very prominent member of the Catholic faith and church. And And she saw this as a kid and then as an adult, she was known as so, uh, prophet's probably not the right word, but I'm just going to say that because I can't think of a better one. And so what she said mattered. And, and so when I, I read the quote and I'm like, "Woo, this woman ahead of her time. I'm not sure when she said this. I think this is right shortly before her death. She says this thing. And I think about today. And so I, I want to start by asking, what do you think of her quote? And then I'll segue into what do we think of the miracle of the sun? But I first want to hear from you guys about what do you think about her quote? Uh, and, and maybe what little you know about her and what, what mm-hmm. we think. We'll start there, Anthony. So the, the, the vision and all of that, I, her predictions, she's made several of them, uh, Sister Lucia has. Uh, this one, as you were alluding to, was made Shortly before she died, she died in 2005. This interview was around 2004-ish when she made this statement. The truth of the matter is, and and looking at what Virgil even touched on, God established two institutions uh, that we read of in the Bible. The first is marriage and the second is the church. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 that 
these two are actually kind of synonymous. Uh, Christ marries his bride, the church. It mirrors the marriage that God would have for one man, one woman. And so when Virgil points out what the enemy does, I don't see this as the final battle. I, I see this as the initial battle, the initial battle that the enemy takes place. And the battle that we've seen going throughout history is against the marriage. If I can disrupt that marriage and he, he makes a very good point, if I can disrupt natural order, disrupt the marriage, then I disrupt everything else about society, about culture, about everything because that's how it's supposed to work. When the enemy is able to talk to Eve to get to Adam, the same thing happens now that the enemy puts this message out to woman a lot of times to get to men or even to get to men to not standing up and leading. If I can disrupt that and then that follows through to the other institution, the church, because marriage and family is the foundation uh, of our local congregations, our churches. So if I can get to that, I can disrupt society. I can disrupt the church. I can disrupt it all. On the flip side, when we commit to marriage, when we rather than leaving because of I'm not happy <laughs> or rather than leaving because of, you know, irre irreconcilable differences or these, but, but taking the time to lean on God to work out marriage, that's an affront to the enemy. Uh, to work together as members of the church and be faithful, that's an affront to the enemy. So we can fight that by doing uh, what the scripture tells us about marriage and family. Yeah. Virgil. Yeah, yeah I, 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 com I completely agree. I, you know, I, for, for us as believers, two, two things are, are at work here. You mentioned the, uh, the, the, the Catholic saint that, that made this, this statement. Uh, we've got a more sure word. Uh, than than what's than what anyone Catholic or, or or Protestant would say, and that's and that's what Scripture has to say. Uh, the, the writer of the Book of Hebrews actually says this in Hebrews one. He said, "God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, He's spoken to us in His Son, whom He whom He's appointed heir over all things, yeah, even over the whole world. So I, I don't have to wait and rely on a saint." or a so-called modern day prophet uh, or anybody to speak on particular issues. I've got the, I've got scripture. In fact, the whole, the whole thought process uh, behind the Protestant, the Protestant reformation uh, was that we rely not on popes or pontiffs or saints, uh, but that we rely on, on what scripture has to say. So I want to, I want to put that out there and then say this, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's not, it's, it's, it's evident again from scripture uh, in the beginning, uh, that there was an attack on on the family. We look at at uh, at, at Genesis chapter three again. Uh, when I think about what what took place, the fall that took place, uh, I look at what what God said both to the to the man and to the woman. If if you note know, in Genesis chapter three, He says to the woman, He says, "I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and in pain you will bring forth children, and your desire." will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, long ago when I, when I read that, you know, for the first time, Jason, I thought, oh, that's great. So he made sure that women have a desire for men, right? So that means I'm, I'm, I'm desirable as a man. That's a good thing, right? Well, as I began to search the scripture and understand, I just turned the page to Genesis chapter four. And in Genesis chapter four, that same word desire is used in the story of Cain and Abel. 
you, you recognize Abel's offering was regarded by the Lord and Cain's offering was disregarded. Well, God says to, to Cain, he says, if you do well, will your countenance not be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the do door and it desires, uh, it, its desire is for you. That word desire for the woman and the word desire for Cain to, to, to kill his brother is the same word being used there. And it's to stir up, it's to overcome, it's to conquer. Uh, so, so what you have here from the beginning based upon scripture, not Fatima, not any, not, not any prophet modern day, is, is an understanding that, that there's going to be this friction because of what took place at, at the fall. There's going to be this friction between husband and wife, between man and woman. And there's, a, there's, there's an authority, there's a protocol that God has ordained for us. Let me read one more thing to you. And that's what was said to God uh, of the man. He says this in Genesis 3, ch uh, chapter 3, verse 17. He says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten the tree which I commanded you not to eat of it. And then he prescribes all of these issues that are going to take place. It's going to be more difficult for him to, 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 uh, to, to work in the garden. He'll be working by the sweat of his brow. It won't be easy for him. There's all kinds of curses that come. I say all of that for this reason, not, not because I'm chauvinistic or even that God and his word is chauvinistic. But in this, in this regard, there is a divine order, a framework that God has ordained of man, woman, children, and created order that needs to be adhered to, that, that, that we'll find blessing in when we connect ourselves to it. But what you're seeing in every way, shape, and form, whether it's the movies or culture or even, or even modern day so-called prophets, is the idea that, 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 that there's a usurping of that taking place in culture that we need to absolutely abandon. Man, there's a reason, I'm telling you, this is my favorite time of the week. It's, 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 and one of the things I've had to do or one of the things God has blessed me with, I got good instincts. And, and uh, I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I say it that what I've, what I've realized is that, hey, that's great. You've got great instincts. But man, I listen to you all talk every, during the week, on this show, and how y'all can go to scripture and back up everything. It's like, I'm, I'm so, it's a negative word, but I'm gonna use it. It's like, I'm so jealous of that. Mm. Because if my instincts were confirmed and rooted in scripture the way y'all's are, I, I would be a more effective person mm. and a more effective representative of God, I, I'm thankful for the instincts or whatever, but again, that, Virgil, I, I, I'm saying all that to say, that's why I struggled with this movie. And I'm talking about in the first hour, when I tried to watch it, I left. I, I just, and I was looking around at the people in the movie theater, I'm like, how are they enjoying this? Uh -huh. Th this was awful to me. And then I went back because I wanted to have a fair conversation about the show. I, I want, so I went and watched it and sat through it, had the discipline or whatever. But, but this is, you, you make a point where it seems like everything in the culture, and maybe it's always been this way, and I'm just more in tune with it, but I just don't think it was always this bad. Because I, I sit around thinking about good times. I got to grow up watching good times. 
And yes, they were struggling. <laughs> but I love James Evans. I like Florida Evans. I like their kids. I, I, it was a family mm -hmm. trying to make it together. And I, I can remember watching that. And even though my parents were divorced, they divorced when I was around five. I saw myself and, and what me, my mother, and brother were doing as a unit. And then when I went, my father remarried, I looked at his new family and my stepbrother and stepsister and that family. And I was like, it, it, that's what we're doing. We're James and Florida Evans. And I'm like, our kid, kids just aren't getting that kind of reinforcement from the culture at all anymore. Right. No, it's, and it's, you're, you're right in terms of how culture has shifted. Now, there, there always has been a culture that is antithetical to the word. Now, that's always existed. What we're seeing is it becoming more prevalent, especially in mass media, to just be overtly counter scripture. Like we just, we're not even trying to be anything godly or anything to loosely use the term normal. Like we, we, we don't even, we, we are just going against that. Um, and, and when you think about TV shows, you know, we were talking about one the other day, uh, I can remember being a kid, my grandmother watched, you know, a lot of the shows from her time. So saw a lot of black and white shows, but if you remember, they used to sleep in separate beds on TV shows like that. But it was, it was to preserve this kind of sanctity of like, we can't show people what's going on in the bedroom on TV now. Just we have to, you know, as parents, we have to monitor commercials because of how, you uh -huh. know, lewd they are. Uh, but but as it relates, you know, even to what you're seeing in the culture, it, there's an effort to paint scripture as just so old and antiquated and, you know, times are new, et cetera. But what we're finding is that it is as true today as it was then. And if we can attach ourselves to that, I hear you talk about, man, if I could get on that, you can start at any time to getting back into the word and it will do what it has always done. It will help to address the issues in our life. It will help in areas of discernment. It will help us to be uh, what God has designed us to be. I'll say this as it relates to, you know, Wakanda. When Chadwick Bozeman passed, uh, I did a sermon at that time because I understand, you know, my church is predominantly black. Uh, and so I know a lot of our members, you know, love the movie, love the idea of Wakanda, this Afrofuturistic kind of place. Uh -huh. And I used a text that related to Abraham, who was looking for a city. And when Paul talks about what Abraham was saying or, or envisioning, Abraham was looking for a city. People are thinking, oh, he's talking about Canaan. No, he was looking for a city whose builder is not made you know, with human hands. Uh -huh. And so what I helped our congregation to see is that yeah, we can look at TV and see these fantastical places like in coming to America, Zamunda or Wakanda and imagine. But that's not what we really desire. Right. What we should desire as people of God is heaven. That's right. the place that I want to because that's the place that's ultimately right with God. Not some place where the women are warriors and the men are at home cooking or not some place where you know, wealth is just all in the tangible and yeah. not in the spiritual. No, we yeah. desire a place that God has made for those who are obedient to his will and his way. Yeah, Virgil, I, 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 I would say, 
Yeah, I will say this. I, I think it's important to to consider when you see culture latching on to superheroes, uh, it's it's because they 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 really are are ignoring the fact that they have a super savior in Christ. Uh, they would rather not have to be required to bow the knee, repent of sin, and place their faith in in a savior. They would much rather craft their own idea of a superhero. It's much in the same way that uh, that, that in scripture where you see the, you know, the, the children of Israel, uh, they craft the golden calf, like Wakanda is a golden calf. Uh, it, it's, it's an idea uh, that you're hopeful uh, about because you've put everything into it, believing it to be something that it, it actually is not. It's, it, it's actually, it, it's utopia. Utopia, the actual word utopia means nowhere. The, the, the literal meaning of the word is no place, nowhere. And so if, if you're looking for utopia, it's nowhere to be found. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for heaven, it can only be found in a right relationship with Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. So guys, and I wanna say this uh, to our Catholic viewers or whatever, none of us are Catholic. We may not represent your point of view as it relates to the miracle of the sun or the miracle of Fatima, the events that transpired reportedly in Portugal, may not nail it perfectly, apologize up front, but I do, I want some guidance from Anthony and Virgil, uh, what they think of the miracle of Fatima. I, I know, you know, I read up on it last night, some more this morning. What, what should we think about yes that event? Uh, there will be instances where we will hear about something that a person saw, a vision that they had, or something that they perceived or heard. Uh, the closest that I gather with that in scripture, the Hebrew writer says, you know, test the spirits to see whether they are of God. So for me, my conclusion, I never tell somebody what they saw or what they experienced. I wasn't there, so I didn't see it. I, I, I won't even go, and, and the visions that Sister Lucia uh, had and, and, and predictions that she made, the basis of those, I, I, I don't speak on what I don't know, but what I do know is what God's word says. So as, you know, when you were bringing up the subject matter to me, like, wow, this you know, vision that happened, this miracle of the sun and, and, and Sister Lucia and, and her prediction and what it says, my immediate target was the truth of what comes out of this. The vision, the sighting, ah, okay, you know, some people may want to debate that. I just want to look at, no, it's not the final battle, it's the initial battle. Like, this is the battle that's been raging on and on. So that's where I zone in on not necessarily the deliverance of how it happened. I, I, I would say, and I don't know the story well, but I, I, I think because of the miracle of the sun, I, I, I think that was a very secular culture. It was. was in rulership and in power, mm -hmm. and that this miracle actually transformed that culture. It was the beginning of the transformation of that culture. Mm -hmm. And so, regardless of, of uh, whether it happened, whether people were blinded by the sun and saw something, they, it did seem to have some kind of cultural impact for the good during that time. I'm sure someone Catholic's gonna hop in my emails and uh, chastise I mean, you're, me or You're correct right, based me. off of what, what, what I was able to find as well, it, it did at that time 
Um, but but when I look at what God's word is, is concerned about, repentance is not just a turn. The word means turn. But repentance is not just a turn. It's a turn from wickedness to righteousness. It's a turning back to God. So I appreciate the turn, the shift, because there was a lot of atheism taking place at that time in Portugal, etc. I appreciate the turn, but let's turn all the way back to God and his word and his righteousness and, and he will settle all of it. Virgil. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that was a really sound way to think through it from a biblical standpoint. We, we, we don't, we're not informed based upon our experience. We, it's not our experience informs our faith. It's, it's that scripture informs faith and we interpret our experience through the lens of what scripture has to say. Scripture is completely yes. sufficient to give us guidance on all things. Uh, so as a result, we, th- there will be people who will see, think, hear, experience all kinds of things. I think Pastor Anthony said it well. There's, there's, there's never a, a, a reason to try to invalidate that. And, and, and I hope no one hears me trying to invalidate that. That's not my, my attempt. What I'm saying is Scripture is supreme. Scripture is sufficient to explain all things. Uh, and as a result, I don't, I don't need to lean into someone's unique experience in, 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 you know, at, at a certain date and time uh, in, in some other part of the world uh, when I can pick up scripture and, and it will always stand the test of time, of culture, of place, of distance. Uh, it, it's absolutely clear. So I, I hang my hat there. I understand it, it's sufficient for all things and, uh, and, and it's going to inform me on all things related to life and godliness. Thank you guys. Uh, awesome job. Uh, and we put Anthony through some overtime today. It's uh, been fearless at the movies all day. Virgil will talk soon. Uh, let's play some harmony, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. How did we end up so divided? One united Now we're headed for downfall God let your light shine down What we need more than anything now Harmony Let's make a simple vow Let's come together now Harmony Put all your weapons down Love one another now Harmony Time for us to wait My brother, see through the lies you tell us. Cause together we're so much stronger. God, let your light shine down. Get to me Open up your eyes